This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Decoding Obesity Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening so that you can get notified as soon as the new episodes are released. I have with me Dr. Melissa Choi. We're going to be talking about picky eaters and we will touch on some of the tips you can use with your kids. I'm particularly excited about this because honestly, I feel practicing medicine is easier. It's actually way easier than getting your kids to eat healthy. Dr. Choi is both certified in family medicine and obesity medicine. She and her husband reside in Minnesota with their three young daughters. Having had first-hand experience with difficulty in getting her kids to eat healthy, she decided to dive deep into this, and this in turn led her to start The Mom Plate, and we will be talking about that as well. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So let's talk about your kids. Yes. I mean, I love them, so always (laughs) ready to talk about my kids, right? Yeah. So... How was, I know you had mentioned that one of your daughters was diagnosed as being overweight. How did that happen? Yes. So, you know, she was my oldest daughter and I was pregnant with her during my second year of residency, which is a three-year long residency program for family medicine. And during residency, you know, it's busy and I wasn't taking care of myself. So I was eating terribly and stressed and not sleeping well, ended up gaining over 50 pounds during my pregnancy. So for listeners, that is beyond the normal weight gain that is recommended um, for moms. And so she just ended up being a large baby. She wasn't large for gestational age, but she was a big baby just from the get go. And so she was large and Um, As you may know, kids that are under age two, we don't really track BMI percentiles. But, you know, once she passed that age two age, she was in that overweight range. And then it became age three, age four. And she just kind of continued from where she was. And she was a great eater. But, you know, I think Part of it was just my own lifestyle. Mm. At the time I was in residency, I didn't have time to plan meals. So we weren't eating well as a family. And honestly, because she she was my daughter that was a good eater, um, we kind of just say out of convenience. And if I needed to occupy her, oftentimes I would just throw her some puffs or throw her some mm. sort of snack because she would eat and be content. And so food was just sort of a way to keep her occupied. And I also didn't think about it much um, from a family health perspective. So did you know right from the beginning that she was overweight, like, you know, starting year two or three? Or uh, was it something, uh, was it something that her pediatrician mentioned to you at all? Or 
and asked you to keep a track of or was it something that just was like a sudden thing that wow she's overweight you know i knew she was kind of a chubby baby and you know we kind of like chubby babies because they're cute and fun and cuddly but you know once she passed that age two range i knew that we were starting to look at that but i would say that we were blessed to have a great uh family doctor that was her primary care provider and she never you know, shamed me or made me feel bad, but she did bring it up and um, just tell me, you know, this is something that we should watch. She doesn't need to lose weight, but we should be watching this. So it was always kind of on the back of my mind. And around the time when she was age three or four, that was also the time where I personally became interested in obesity medicine. And so it was kind of a parallel of what I was learning as I was studying from my boards and (laughs) watching our own family lifestyle say, oh, there's some sort of mismatch here. I'm not doing what I'm learning and teaching my patients. And there are some habits that our family needs to change. Do you think her being overweight motivated you to actually take up obesity medicine? Uh, I think it was part of it. You know, I think overall, I realized personally, I did not have a healthy lifestyle. I mean, I think as doctors, we all know what's right and what's good to eat and is important to exercise. But do we all do the things that we preach? I would say probably not. You know, if we did, there wouldn't be any overweight or obese physicians, but that's just simply not the case. And so I think looking at my own lifestyle, looking at my patients and looking at my family really opened my eyes to just the vast problem that we have in this country and that a lot of people need our help. That's true. That's true. So um, what kind of feelings did it evoke in you? You know, you, you're, you being a physician mom, I know you were stressed, but here you have your baby who's kind of in the overweight range. How did that make you feel as a mom? Did it make you feel at all like, you know, you're failing at something or I was like, okay, I, I know what needs to be fixed and I'm going to go ahead and do that. Yeah. You know, I think again, as a physician, as a mom, I'm very type A and you kind of want to be in control of things. And when you become a parent and you realize there's a lot of things that we aren't in control of, our kids are going to wake up and sleep when they want to, even That's though we true, want yeah. them to be on a program. Um, and I, th- I think I, I still appreciate the way that my daughter's physician kind of looked at it. She recognized that this is a diagnosis or a problem, but it's not a character flaw of her or myself. And to this day, I still think of that, you know, when I'm coming from the physician standpoint and helping my patients try to right. lose weight to not bring on shame, but really be very open about the discussion when my patients are willing or wanting to discuss that. Yeah, I think it's very important because she had, or you had another physician who was kind of advising all of this to you. And it's very reassuring when you have somebody else telling you this, because, you know, on the one side, you're a physician and you know that this is the way physiology works and this is what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. And then you have your parental side or you're you're the mom. And then that guilt sets in, like, am I doing everything right? Is Absolutely. this what I should be doing? Absolutely. And I think if I didn't have that, even though I knew logically that, you know, we can work through this, 
having that reassurance, you know, from a doctor as a mom to remind me, you know, we don't need to panic. And I think that's the nice thing when we're helping families and parents with their children who may be overweight or obese is that, you know, this is a population that we really can help because as children, they're supposed to gain weight and we're supposed to grow. So in some ways, it's easier to um, help overweight children versus, say, you know, managing obesity in an adult. That's true. Yeah. Yep. What do you think um, caused this in her? I mean, we touched about upon it a little bit, you know, you being in residency and it being very stressful and not necessarily having the right foods available to her. But was there anything else in terms of uh, we, we talk about pe- kids being physically active? You know, yeah. we talk about uh, screen time. Absolutely. Do you think that played into this at all? You know, I think she was still at a younger age at that time where it wasn't so much on my mind. I will say she has a younger sister that's only 19 months younger than her. So we were very busy, you know, when she was three and four years old. But I will say, you know, now when my kids are a little bit older, I'm very aware of some of those things. You you know, I think about exercise often, for example, and um, we try to make it a family activity and we try to make it fun. And so it doesn't mean that we need to go for a five mile run. It's maybe we're going on a bike ride or maybe we go play tennis. And I think that's the important thing for families to realize is that there's so many options out there when you're trying to find activity for your children to do that you should include them in those decisions and ask them, you know, what would be fun for you? It might not be fun for them to go running, but it might be fun to play basketball or shoot hoops. And so finding something that your kids enjoy or that you enjoy, I think is an important um, aspect when you're kind of trying to work with families that have kids that are overweight. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about exercise not being as important um, in weight loss per se in the adults, but um, something that's very different in managing pediatric patients with obesity is that active play, as we call it, is very critical in the younger population. And they have to have that physical activity because it's not only important for burning out, burning of calories, so to say, I hate to say this always, you know, whenever we talk about exercise and talk right. about burning calories, because it's like... It's, it's not yeah. a scale, a one-for-one thing, right? Yeah, but it's also, we talk about the bone strengthening um, mm-hmm. exercises and the muscle strengthening exercises, which are completely, it's a completely different concept. And I'll be honest, I didn't know about this. Yes. I, you know, studied about this. Um, I think, oh yeah, I mean, I think also when we think of time in a child's schedule to you, you talked about screen time briefly too. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some sort of correlation with the more screen time that a child has, that they're more likely to be overweight and obese because you have to think about, you know, if they're spending more time on a screen, whether it's a computer or tablet or phone, it's less time that they are being active. And so when we think about the overall obesity rates in our country increasing over time, I think that's a big part just because kids are spending more time on screens yeah. now. Than I was going to ask you, how, how old are your kids now? So my oldest one that I'm talking about, she's nine. And then okay. my um, second daughter, 
who was the pickier eater is seven. Which we will talk about. I'm really interested in that. (laughs) And then I have um, a daughter that will be four in November. (laughs) Okay, good. So, you know, they've kind of, you're the one who was suffering from overweight has kind of become older now. Now, looking back at it from a sort of having a telescopic view at it, what do you see is a problem these days that's causing this rampant rise in childhood obesity in this country? You know, I think we touched a little bit about that briefly. I think like adults, it's also a multifactorial thing. Um, I think the lifestyle that we now have, kids are busier than ever. You know, we pack lots of activities and um, play dates and, you know, things are constantly scheduled and family life is very busy. And so families don't have time to eat together or prepare a meal. I think that our communities in general are changing. You know, some communities aren't safe, so children are unable to go outside and play. Um, Some other communities don't have the funding to keep parks and field space open, so we are losing that. And I mean, right now we're in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. And so we aren't having kids go outside to play with other kids and everyone's staying inside. And I think just our general culture of eating as a country has changed over the years. I mean, you look at the snack industry, I think it's something like close to 90 billion dollars in 2019 yeah. just for and they advertise to the kids right and the kids exactly. come to the parents asking for it um i want to touch upon this um i don't know if you will be talking about this or not but i wanted to know do you how do we help people understand how to read these labels because on the front of it they'll say healthy quote unquote but the labels kind of do yes. not say that i don't know if you'll be touching on that especially for picky eaters and you know talking about what to avoid And so part of me is almost like, if these foods have labels, those are some of the foods that I just (laughs) try to avoid. Um, And I think, you know, and and that was probably one of my things that I wasn't mindful of when I was a new mom, because I just looked for foods that were convenient because I was busy as a resident mom. And I figured probably like what you're thinking these foods must be healthy. Because it says healthy. Exactly. And it then says I, X number of grains, X, X many grams of grains, right, whole grains. Right, right, right. I'm like, okay, those are healthy foods. And then as I was studying obesity medicine and just realizing, oh, these foods are processed or ultra processed foods. They're going to go right through our bodies. Our body yeah. does not take any energy to, you know, consume them. And at the same time, you know, so oftentimes I will coach families to try to limit those packaged foods or those labels, right. but go to your produce section yeah. to find um, the one on the snacks. corners of the of the um, supermarkets. Exactly. Go around the <laughs> perimeter. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to remind all of you to take a moment to write a review or a comment. Rate this episode on your podcast platform of choice so that we can know how well we're doing. So, Melissa, who did you turn to for help when you noticed or when you were told that your um, kid is suffering from being overweight? Um, I think with the help of our family doctor, you know, she kind of gave us examples in terms of 
fruits and vegetables to turn to for snacks. And I talking to other moms, but again, I think a lot of it also went with what I was learning as I was studying um, for obesity medicine. And again, just also remembering portion sizes. That was a big thing for us because I think my daughter, she could eat and eat, you know, she, she didn't really know how to regulate or stop. Um, and so oftentimes we would just hold if she was asking for seconds and kind of talk and see how she was doing. And oftentimes she was actually full. And oftentimes if she was still hungry, you know, instead of more rice or pasta, for example, it would, the option would be, okay, you can have more carrots or you can have more broccoli if you really So yeah, I want to ask you how how with you know with your busy schedule what did you change um so as to accommodate uh, these um whole foods because essentially yes. they were whole foods whatever you're talking about how did you accommodate this into your busy schedule I think what we decided to do is when we were at home if they needed a snack for example we weren't going to do anything that was packaged. And when you think about it, there are a lot of options that kids can still eat that don't come from a package. You know, they can have plain yogurt, they can have a slice of cheese, they can have cut up vegetables or fruit as long as they're not choking hazards. And so we try to keep it simple and to say, okay, what are things that aren't from a package? And those things also don't take a lot of prep time. Um, and I also really started looking at recipes that I could cook that did not take more than 30 minutes because I just <laughs> didn't have time to do that. And that includes the prep time. You know, sometimes recipes yeah. will say 30 minutes, but it really takes you 60 minutes because you have to chop up <laughs> everything. Right. So I really minimized the number of dishes needed in a recipe, the ingredients, but still trying to keep a healthy and good variety when we were cooking. And how do you manage the picky eater in your family? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, the firstborn, the job of the secondborn is to always be the exact opposite of the firstborn. That's I don't know true. if that's your experience. That is so true. <laughs> and so that was oh my what God. happened. <laughs> um, I, our second daughter, who's also sweet and wonderful, but she was just a picky eater. She's petite, has always been petite. And, you know, she loved every childhood snack you can think of goldfish applesauce all that stuff she would eat but when it was time for dinner she would just sit there and she 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 could hold out because it was food that she did not like and so you know I when I counsel patients and parents and even from my own experiences um what I've what we did was we still gave her options. I didn't say you can only eat broccoli tonight, or you can only eat this. But I think as the role for parents, it is to um, give them a bunch of healthy choices, and they can make the decision Mm. to eat. And so oftentimes for dinner, we would have, you know, three or four different things. And I said, you can eat any of these. Or if you really aren't hungry, um, you don't need to eat. And Rarely, but sometimes she would actually not eat, but oftentimes she she would be hungry enough. And when she knew that we weren't going to give her a pouch or some more goldfish, um, 
which I wanted to do initially because I was worried she wasn't going to eat. But once we really said, you know, she'll eat when she's hungry, you know, I think kids are good regulators of that. (laughs) Um, She decided to eat. Um, And another thing I think for parents is kids need to be exposed to a food several times. You know, if a kid says, ew, or yuck, I don't like that. Just like adults, when we're trying something new, it might not feel familiar the first time, but when they continue to be exposed to it eight, nine times, they may become better. And so, you know, to this day, my second daughter, she is still picky and she would still probably prefer the packaged (laughs) foods over the health choices, but she doesn't complain about it. And, and she eats it and she's at least willing to try things. I think giving them exposure to different foods or, you know, the same food multiple times will continue to help with that. Did she ever throw fits or tantrums when you wouldn't give her the packets or whatever? <laughs> she probably did, but I just blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I think she was, she's pretty strong-willed. And so... Again, I think sometimes for parents that do have picky eaters, it may be a little bit scary because I, I I did think, you know, maybe she's not going to gain enough weight right. or she's not going to grow because she, she was pretty petite. And I think, again, me as a parent, it was easy to think then be like, oh, I just have to feed her the goldfish because I need to give her at least Energy. something to eat. But again talking to her physician and thinking about it from a perspective of caring for somebody as a patient, you know, remembering that kids are good regulators of their hunger and when they are hungry, they will eat. And so as long as she realized at some point, oh, I'm not going to get the goldfish if I hold out, then she decided to try to eat. How long long would she hold out for? Oh, she could go a few days. If oh, she wanted. really? <laughs> I she, mean, she would still drink. It's not like she didn't eat for a few days. But okay. um, so, for if you're like sitting in on a meal, how long would she just wait? So you know, I get scared if my kid because I have I have a picky eater at hand. Okay, sure. So I, if he doesn't want to eat, then we're like, how long is he going to hold out like this? And he just goes to the room and he's, he'll be he'll be in his room. Yeah, and we have to try and convince him to eat. Now we're we're very we've kind of become I don't want to use the word strict, but kind of particular about what he eats but he can hold out and initially we were like oh my god is he not going to eat for the whole night yeah what's going to happen well i tell parents you know when they come to see me and they're bringing in their kids as patients is to kind of look at it over a week you know not just one meal whether your child is eating or not because there's going to be that appetite fluctuation and maybe it is because they're not hungry, but maybe it's because they don't think that they would like the food. Um, and sometimes I would say, well, you don't need to eat this plate now, say for lunch, if my daughter didn't want it. But I said, when you wake up after nap time and you are hungry, this plate will be waiting for you to eat. These are the only three options that will still be there. 
There'll still be the eggs. Yeah. And because I think she was thinking, oh, if I hold out enough, I'll get the goldfish when I wake yeah, up. I'll get the fourth option, but that fourth <laughs> option is not coming. And I said, no, you know, these are the three things that's still on your plate. It'll And that actually, it, it wasn't like instantaneous that she started sure. eating everything. But over time, when she sort of realized like, oh, this is what I will be given to eat. Um, she continued to open up. And I think she's made great strides and if you met her now you wouldn't even know that she was a picky <laughs> eater <laughs> how, how important do you think your patience was in all of this my own patience <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was hard you know you always as a parent want the best health for your child and again when we feel like we can't control that, that is what makes it difficult. You know, even with your own child, it's hard watching him just go up to his room and, and right, not yeah. eat. I, I understand that. And so I think working with your child's physician to see, are they growing appropriately, even though they're having these days where they skip a meal and, and, and um, just being mindful of the overall habits of your child, not just based on one meal. Yeah, that's very true. Because uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the metrics, your weight, the height, if they're going in the right direction, then you really don't need to worry that much about it. That means your kid is getting enough exactly. nutrition. Exactly. And that's what the case was with my kid. He was growing appropriately, but we were like, oh, he's not eating. Oh my God, mm-hmm. what are we supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. But and you had the advantage because you're a family medicine. Um, so you had the advantage because you've dealt with kids. Yes, I so did. So me and my wife are internal medicine now. We don't know anything about kids. We're like, ah. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was tricky. So how, what do you teach uh, moms who come to you with uh, children who are overweight? Yeah. I, the first thing that I like to bring up is to ask my patients and their parents, do I have permission to talk about your weight? Because I think we need, we as physicians need to always meet our patients where they are. Um, And sometimes, you know, life is hard. Maybe it's a single mom and she's working three jobs and it's the grandma that's feeding the child. So she really doesn't have much say. So trying to understand the entire um, picture and not just looking at, you know, each meals, but I like to always check in with parents and patients kind of about their current lifestyles, not just the quality of food, but even the quantity of food. You know, I had one patient that said, oh, we eat very healthy. We don't eat packaged foods. And I said, oh, how much food do you eat? And they said, oh, he and his brother share an entire whole chicken for dinner Oh wow! as a four-year-old. I was like, you know, so just realizing sometimes patients and parents don't have an understanding of what a serving is, you know, not right. just for adults, but even for kids, which is even a smaller portion than what you would feed an adult. Um, and also, you know, picking up on the activity. And I think sleep also is an important factor. Yeah, that's very important. As well, too. And so if a child is kind of again, being bounced around or going to bed really late and not getting enough sleep, that's going to also play a role. No screen time. That's very important. And yeah, yes, exactly. And I think in terms of guiding 
parents and kids, I always try to kind of go for the low hanging fruit. So asking the child, you know, what vegetables do you like? You know, mm-hmm. and starting there and in terms of activity, you know, what do you like to play or what would be fun for you to do outside? Um, and, you know, maybe we do have to start slow and aim for one meal a day that's healthy, because I think sometimes it can be overwhelming for families when right. they're feeling like they need to. And make- I think you raise a very valid point there that you have to introduce the same thing a few times to the kid before they actually accept it. Uh, people should not, or, you know, I, I certainly had this problem. I was like, well, I'm presenting him something new. He should be excited about it, but it takes a while for them to kind of understand that. Oh yeah, this is something new. I may try. So it's not, it's kind of different from how we think about food or how I think about food, because something new is presented to me. I'm very excited about it. I'm like, oh, I got to try this. But they're not like that. The first thing they'll say is you. And I'm like, you haven't even tried this. How are you saying you? You haven't even tried it. Yes, yes. And I was reading something recently too, you know, especially with produce. When you eat a blueberry, for example, it can taste sweet one time. It can taste sour one time. It can be mushy. It can be firm. So even the same fruit, for example, can be different. But a cracker is always going to taste like a cracker. So that's familiar to the kid. And so especially with produce, there can be different textures, different tastes. And so continuing to kind of expose your child to that food can be helpful. I never thought of it that way. That's very insightful. I never thought of it that way that, you know, because produce changes. Um, and I mm-hmm. never thought of it. Each time you buy it, may sometimes it may be sour, sometimes it may be sweet. That's right. very true. I never thought of it honestly. That's that's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know when you think of it from a kid's perspective, it looks the same. But when they're expecting one taste and it doesn't that's taste true. like that, you know, I would probably kind of freak out or wonder what's going on. Right, 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 right. So, how, um, how do you manage your kids' habits now? Yeah, so, you know, I, I'm still busy, obviously. And so as a family, we, we try to meal plan at least dinners. And so that tends to be about six meals right there, because usually one night a week, we'll give ourselves a night off and get takeout now. Um, and doing a lot of, like I said, whole foods and meals that are easy to prepare. But then um, breakfast, I do like to give them a high protein, whole grain breakfast, because I know that that will keep them full a lot longer than a bowl of cereal or a piece of toast or pancakes, you know, kind of your typical American breakfast. And that has been helpful for them. And, you know, lunch is usually leftovers. And I rarely will pack anything that's a packaged food, you know, for their lunch. And then for snacks, I give them the option because I don't want to have my kids never eat something from a box because I I think that that also doesn't help a child, you know, regulate their taste buds or when they eventually get the opportunity to do that. Sometimes I think children or even adults can kind of go overboard and eat a lot and so I'll say okay if you want to eat these crackers you need to eat it with a handful of carrots just so they're balanced and on a similar note I will we will do occasional treats but we often will split things so if we go out to get ice cream for example they will split one serving of ice cream between 
the three of them. But it's interesting just to see their habits, you know, um, back when kids were still going to birthday parties pre COVID, a mom had told me that my daughter completely scraped off the frosting off her cake because that was just <laughs> something we had always done. And she told me later, mommy, like, it's just so sweet. And so I think kids kind of can pick up habits too. So if you yeah. start those habits early and when they're young, it's much easier when they grow into them versus trying to change something when you're a teenager or even an adult. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's very important. Starting early with habits yes. and inculcating all of that early into their childhood, and I think my my older one has started picking up on that. Has he? Yeah, I think so. I think he started picking up on what's unhealthy and what's healthy. Like we've been kind of drilling it into him that no juices, juices are not healthy. Like, yes, oh, that's a big, that's juices, a good point blah, that blah, I blah. forgot to bring up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so he started picking that stuff up. So how can people reach out to? I know you just started the mom plate. And do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. So, you know, I love talking to patients and kids in a um, office room or in in the office space, but I realized that I can't reach as many people. And so I've started the mom plate. It basically helps busy moms and their families, you know, make simple but long lasting lifestyle changes to help with weight loss and staying healthy and also helping moms manage their time well, because I think a lot of times as moms, we feel like we don't have enough time. And so the easiest place to find me now where I'm most active is on Instagram and it's at the mom plate. Um, And you can also go to my website, themomplate.com, which will be launching soon. So feel free to take a look at that. But it already has a sign up form, right? Yes, you can sign up to get um, updates on my website. And if you do have questions, feel free to email me at info at themomplate.com. And I'll be putting a link to your website onto my website as well so that people can reach out to you from there. Um, Listeners, if you have... Any questions about cooking for your picky eaters, please reach out to Dr. Choi. And if you've enjoyed what you've been hearing, please do leave us a review or a comment. Please rate it wherever you're listening to this episode. I am always interested in more inspiring stories about weight loss so that I can motivate other people through this platform in their weight loss journey. If you have one to share, please reach out to me at host at decodingobesity.com. This would immensely help others who are struggling with weight loss and would be extremely valuable to all the other listeners. Please tell your family and friends about this podcast and frankly, anyone who you think will benefit from it. I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us and you know, talking about picky eaters. Thank you. It was great chatting with you, Avashkar. Yeah, thanks. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.